1980X Neo Geo games. We talk about them. You should play them. Like <laughs> Mutation Nation and Real Bout 2 Fatal Fury. Last Resort's pretty good. And Last Resort's pretty good. I personally like King of Fighters 2001 the best in the series. I know. Uh, I'm partial to 99. I know 98 is considered the best by uh, purists, and I don't doubt that they're correct. But. For the best experience for me, it was 2001. Namely, because Robert is no longer a charge character in that game, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I like Hidaren a lot, and he's in that game. So, yeah. There you go. And uh, Tetsuo is in. Oh, it's right, yeah. King of Fighters 2001. K49 or K9999. I think really all that needs to be said about the Neo's games are that they all borrow heavily in some respect from Akira. Yeah, Akira, I think they hit all of the major uh, 80s cultural milestone items like Blade Runner and Akira and uh, Aliens. What's Aliens? Cyberlip has a lot Cyberlip of that like, alien thing to it. Reagan. Yeah. A lot of those. Yeah, you should play Neo Geo games. I really just do not feel like talking about them. I just played. We just spent a good hour plus playing a couple and watching some. And damn it, those are some good games, and you should play them, all of them, actually. I suppose play every Neo game at least once. But really, what's there to say? They deserve it. Uh, that's pretty, pretty much it. If you were born in the 1980s, you should play Neo Geo games, definitely. So that's that. Insert reading rainbow sound here. <laughs> So, now that that's over with, and Podcast 19X could possibly get on track again with uh, some absences and issues and what have you, talk about some games that are uh, relevant to today. Right. And uh, do you want to talk about what you're playing right now, or do you want to wait? Uh, we should talk about it. You should talk about it. I'll talk about it while you play. Uh, I, I find that it's one of those games that you cannot play and, and have it's a conversation with It's pretty hard to watch as time. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just turn away from Ray, the television. Ray, Ray is currently playing the uh, the multiplayer beta for uh, for Blur, which is the next racer from uh, Bizarre Creations, famous for their Project Gotham Racing and Geometry Wars series. Uh, Both games that are some of my favorite. Right. And it is worth at least mentioning that both of us were exposed to this com- I guess the gaming world at large was exposed to this company uh, first with their racer on Dreamcast called Metropolis Street Racer which was the uh, as you could tell from the title is a pretty much a predecessor to the Project Gotham series and uh, if anything Bizarre Creations definitely has their sense of style down to a science uh, yeah I- they've got their own aesthetic for sure as a company it seems like they're actually just Seems like they made a few games and now they're just putting them all together into one with Blur. Definitely, I would definitely say Blur is a good combination of everything that they they put out previous. Um, so you've probably a lot more to say on than I. Yeah, you, so you've played it a lot more than I have. So uh, 
blur is is pretty much like a slaggedy controlling wipeout. So if you can deal with, I guess it kind of depends on what kind of racer you are. I know you and I are both arcade racers. Mm -hmm. uh, really, the only games that I think either of us take to uh, really well for racing are the Ridge Racer series. Yeah. Would you agree? Um. Yeah, I like Burnout. But Burnout's great too. Yeah. But, but it doesn't really have not the drift on the level that I like. That I appreciate Ridge Racer. And then there's games like Gran Turismo and and Forza, which are more um, reality based, and those tend to be really boring to me. Probably to you, I'm assuming. There's just something that's unfun about them. It's hard to describe. It's unfun because they're so dense. Yeah. And I'm not a car person. Like, I'm not a tech person. Right. Car gearhead or whatever. PGR was always, like, uh, right in the middle Definitely. to me. Yeah. Because it maintained a little bit of the drift mechanics that were kind of Eastern. Mm-hmm. But it stayed kind of based aesthetically in reality. Yeah. Uh, and so I really I remember when PGR one came out for the Xbox One, both of us were really like excited by it at first. Like I distinctly remember this. Both of us really enjoyed the idea of it at first, but I don't remember either of us playing it to the level, at least in terms of time investment that we did with Ridge Racer. No, I don't. That didn't happen until the second one for me. Like it was really addicting, and, and they had a really good uh, positive reinforcement with the kudos noise. And just really stupid stuff. Right, you know, adding you were, you were constantly a, a fake currency to the game. Right, and you were constantly getting rewarded yeah. for like every aspect of your driving, not just drifting. Right. So, you know, I always really liked that game, and I kind of liked it more for its presentation, though, than its racing. But this game takes a lot of those driving mechanics and a lot of the feel of the Project Gotham series and uh, blends it with... I, I mean, I, I would say, like, Wipeout and Mario Kart mixed. Um, to me, the weapons in this game are a lot more competent than Wipeout's. Uh, I was always more into the racing side of Wipeout as opposed to the battling. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, yeah. This is just a really competent, well-balanced uh, car combat game. I think, um, it's in my experience, uh, it's because a lot of these weapons—well, I should say all the weapons—they're uh, they're all they all have their uses, like situational uses. Right. And you can kind of pick one out of the many that there are to kind of be your main go-to. Right. To have it sort of suit the way you like to play. Sure. Like I tend to, I like, I tend to like to hoard the uh, the speed boosts. Right. Only because I haven't really mastered the controls very well yet, so I'll have a lot of spin-outs or wall hits that I need to recover, recover from. from. Right. Plus, it's always fun to have at the end if you need to to catch up to somebody. Right. But I noticed a lot of people like to... I'm only assuming because you can't tell what people are holding. But I think a lot of people like to hoard up on the shunts, which is basically the missile. That's kind of where I'm at now. That's kind of what I do. Being like, like I'm at the highest level that the multiplayer beta can get. And what you just explained, I went through that exact same process. Yeah. Now shunts, shunts and... Well, barges, I kind of hold on to now more than any because I've upgraded my abilities. Yeah. But... Uh, Shunts are kind of the same as barge. Uh, they're just you're really, uh, really safe. They're a really safe bet. I like them because I like the way they look because you can just basically enter into like a crowd of cars and just ruin everybody's day. Yeah, has like a, a good like I don't know like hilarious after effect of seeing all these like cars just spread across the track. So the game <clears throat> graphically, what do you think about it? 
Um, it's got like a really simplistic. I like it geometry-wise. It's yeah, simplistic. I like it, and it has like a weird uh, sparseness to how the levels are populated. I'm driving on a tarmac in an airport, but there's a weird, almost like F-Zero twisted metal quality to the end, like the how everything is like an exaggerated proportion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're like, this airport in real life is ridiculous. Right. Like, no airport would look like this. Right. But in order to allow for the best combat experience, everything's been like opened up and spread apart, and it really reminds me of like Twisted Metal 2 a lot. And speed, speed-wise, to me, I mean, you're really going fast in this game. Or at least they're faking the speed really yeah, well. Definitely. And so, yeah, to uh, to have a race that's meaningful and lasts a little longer, they have to have pretty huge tracks. But uh, track design, there's only like four or five maps in the beta. I actually don't really dislike any of them, uh, which is a good sign. Um, no, I don't know what it is about this game aesthetically, but it's really fucking appealing to me. Like even this, even this airport. You know, it doesn't really speak too much of the world around it, but then again, I guess it kind of does. You're in sort of an industrial zone with oil fires burning everywhere, and right. <laughs> the airport's destroyed, so I don't know how that happened. I don't know where the airport is. But you're just thrown out into the middle of this war zone racetrack in the middle of the desert right? <laughs> under really surreal skies, and it's just a pretty amazing-looking game. It's uh, the, char the, the characters. The tracks, to me, as I was going to say, are like... Are sort of like characters, yeah. Like um, I don't know. So I, I don't know. I guess people who play a lot of racing games probably understand that. But it's like I like every track, and I I've kind of gotten to the point where I know every track, mm -hmm. and every track is like I know I'm gonna drive a different way for this particular track because that's just how best to get through it. Yeah. And like sort of in the way I remember in Wipeout Excel. Yeah. I would play certain tracks when I was in a certain mood to have like a certain type of race. I feel like the same would be true in this game. So you think the tracks are really well crafted then? Yeah. Like when the when the voting comes up after the end, uh, as a side as a side note, the like you were saying the uh, infrastructure, the way that the online experience is built in terms of you're having to either input something that has a bearing on your experience, either voting on the track or choosing your car, or uh, uh, specifying your mods. When the uh, the track choice comes up, and there you have the two in front of you, you kind of make a decision of, okay, do I want to race the track of these two that's probably the more technical drift heavy, or do right. I want to race the one that's like speed driven? Right, or, speed or heavy combat. Second? Right. I like that. a lot. I feel like a lot of racing games lately haven't had that. A lot of the, like, Ridge Racer 6... Going back to our favorite racing series, Ridge Racer 6 had tracks that I was just kind of like, I had no opinion on. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's a track with turns in it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That's true. Which is, really, that's the first time that the Ridge Racer series ever suffered that blandness. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely like, uh, I like Jeff Ger Gersman put it, it's sort of like Wipeout point five. Yeah. Like, in the world of Wipeout, this is probably what it was before they moved to the hovercraft. Right. So, um, for that, I love it. So, about the infrastructure of the game, I was going to suggest that it's probably second only to Halo's, Halo 3's matchmaking and, and setup system. Yeah, definitely. I definitely. Do you agree with that, genuinely? I do. I like it because it is... Uh, 
Well, to me, see, the Halo experience to me is actually has some problems, just from my experience. Like what? Um, mostly the matchmaking. And I know that's kind of been an ongoing thing. It's always been like, matchmaking doesn't quite work. Right. Totally. And I know they've been refining it. I suppose just because it's asking a lot. Probably. It could also just be that the population is so big, it's like, how, are we, how, do, how do we best categorize and instantly match millions of people in one at, at the same time? Could be. Um, I compare it a lot to Modern Warfare's experience, which I like a lot. Because like you said, like we discussed, after each race or match, as the case is in Modern Warfare, uh, you have a limited amount of time with which to modify and recalculate and restructure your perks or your mods, uh, pick your weapons, pick your car, etc., etc. And it's just enough time to where you're not getting bored. Right. Like, it's just enough. Like I the noticed last, that too. When it hits three seconds, you're like, yes, this is exactly when we need to start racing yeah. again. And you're never running out of time to make decisions. It's just, you can tell that it's been tested a right. real lot right. by the team who developed it to make everything perfect. And uh, that comes through it to me in the balance of the weapons, too. Right. Um, not only that there's always a counter for every every situation you're in, but I've never really felt in a situation... I've never really felt like I was treated unfairly by the game. Yeah. You yeah, know? like you made the point. Even if you come in last place, you're really not that upset about it. No, that's, a, that's the big thing that keeps you playing this game because... Because what? more often than not, if you came in last place, it's probably some. It's more than likely something you did or didn't do. Right. That you can. I don't know how you say, verbalize or have like a, a a tangible grasp on and say, okay, I just need to improve this, or maybe I need to change my mods a little bit, or pick the other car next time, or whatever. Or I mean, and this has happened to me a lot of times in this game. Um, I'll be racing and some son of a bitch just decides to make this race. A battle between him and I. Right. And even if and you could be in like seventh and eighth place and out of a yeah, field of twelve. Exactly. And I really don't care at that <laughs> point because all I'm really concerned about is, is ruining this man and beating him. Right. Which I don't know, that that doesn't really happen too much to me in online games. Uh, walking away from even losing matches in a good mood is a rare thing and I think it speaks a lot to the quality of the actual gameplay, so to me the game's ridiculous and it's it's looking like I'm probably going to purchase it. Yeah, I voiced... Now, there was a couple podcasts ago I voiced concerns of... I was unsure if the online population would be there to support this game for long periods of time. That is true. Do you think it, Do you think that will be the case? I don't know, because it's always hard to tell through demos, because demos are always populated, I think, because there's cheap people who are bored on the weekends and they don't want to rent a game a couple levels for free. Right. I know it was that way with Lost Planet. For even a year and a half after the game came out, people were still playing the demo because it was free and it was some sort of uh, interactive thing to do. Right. But uh, I would say that this game has a pretty big user base. And more so than that, I think that... Uh, I don't know, I found... I know you had trouble getting connected, but when I would play, I would play for like three or four hours at a time. Right. And... Most of the people stayed with the lobby for that amount of time. Yeah, so, I have noticed that definitely already. So we all seem to be about as addicted to it as I was. <laughs> right. Um, so I guess that speaks to the quality of the game a lot because I really was never in a race with like a level one person. Right. And then I crushed him and then he dropped out of the lobby 
basically saying I'm done with this game. No, it's never, ba- yeah, it's basically just like no, I want to go again. Yeah, exactly. I've never, I've, I've yet to see that happen. I've yet to be witness to that. So, it seems to me like everyone likes this game. The only thing is, uh, I think this game is is kind of hard to sell until you play it, which is, I guess, a good reason or a good thing they have this beta going because I don't think this game necessarily, on paper, speaks to a lot of gamers right now. But uh, if they're able to play it and see that it's quick, combative, and it has a leveling up system, a perk system, right? That's somewhat comparable to like Modern Warfare, right? I think it would obviously make a lot more people interested in the product. But uh, I don't know, dude. We'll see. It'll probably fail like all their games, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, the only success they really have had was the first PGR, first two PGRs, really, and Geometry Wars. Did three and four not do very well? I've never really looked. I don't at think it. three did well. I think three was the first one on Xbox, Which is right? Weird. Three was the launch, was right. launched with three hundred and sixty. So almost launched with three hundred and sixty. I would suggest that if that did do successful, it was only because it was the one of the only games, one of the few available. And yeah, I don't four, think four did very well because four came out right around I think a Forza release. No, four's four ninety nine now on Amazon. And I think well that yeah, but I think wasn't also like there was a whole thing with four where it didn't get a, it right up until the release it was starting to get like bad press because people were saying oh it's on two discs why is a racing game on two discs that's ridiculous was four on two discs um, if it I don't think so if it wasn't it was going to be and there was this whole to do about it might have been well if it was on a PS3 it wouldn't have to be on two discs it could be on one Blu-ray was I, it I really just re- I just remembered that Not discussion Forza. happening no Project Gotham 4 weird I remember that discussion happening like Maybe you're right one because of the I developer, do One of the developers in Bizarre Creations was like, "We're trying we, to put we wanted so to do a whole bunch it. of stuff in this game to where we might have to make it two discs." I think I remember that. And there right. was like a either he said it or someone within the like periphery of the story said, "Well, if Bizarre Creations wasn't like tied to Microsoft, they could just do it on PS3 and it wouldn't you're be right. a problem." You're right. So just there was just that current of, I wonder if this game is gimped because they had to put it on the 360. Possibly, yeah. And then there was also the thing of, like, I haven't played... The, I played the demo of Forza, and I don't really like it, but I understand a lot of people do. Yeah. And I think a lot of the PGR crowd went to Forza. You're right. As opposed to sticking with the series. Yeah, because it rides such a weird line right? that we don't really even know how to define. Added to the fact that Joe Consumer is going to pick up Blur... could go two ways. They could pick up Blur and look at it and go, I'm going to associate this with... Uh, the like Fast and Furious sure. neon drifting which is probably not that far off it has that appearance but that's not really what the game is about Right. it's not about tuning and adding parts and, and putting in like you know Sparco kits uh, secondly I don't know that they're going to pick it up and go oh Bizarre Creations that company that made that one game I really like Right. they don't really do that kind of assessment at the time of purchase so my only concern is that the community won't be there for this game to get the support that I'd like it to. But by the same token, you could say that will basically foster a community that is very into the game and probably make it better because the people who will play it will care about making it a good experience. Right. So I, I, I you know, it could go either way. I hope I hope it rides a, a line where it sells well enough that they'll continue this. Uh but not, you know, don't I don't want to undersell and fail. You know, it's an Activision game. Yeah. So I kind of wonder what their marketing push is going to be like for it. Because mm-hmm. if yeah, they push true. it really hard, 
they could get a real lot of sales based on their marketing and then people will buy the game thinking it's something else but it ends up being a good game anyway so there won't be a bad taste left in their mouth after they purchased it right um, right but if they don't put any money behind it no one's gonna purchase this game there's way too many games coming out right now sure there really aren't that many racing games coming out right now but I don't really know that that market is as uh, hungry. Well, I think the racing game genre is becoming more like the sports genre where it's like you have your heavies and you have to fight for every dollar you get away from the heavies. Like, you know, if you're not Madden and if you're not uh, 2K, you know, the 2K series, right? you have to try really hard to get people to pick up your, your sports game product. Probably. Whereas with racing, if it's not Gran Turismo, if it's not Forza, uh, people looking for that kind of experience aren't really going to go anywhere else because they get everything they need out of those those titles. So, so this game's really good. This game's really good. I hope it succeeds. I can't think of anything else to say uh, about it that's interesting. No, it's probably not. Play it. Just play it. If you like any of the games we just mentioned that we like, play this game. If anything, it'll help fund Geometry Wars 3, so... Right. <laughs> I'll probably yeah. purchase it as that a $50 investment towards future <laughs> games. <laughs> Toward a future $10 game. Towards a future $10 game. Uh, so, uh, do you want to go or do you want me to go about other games? Oh shit, I'm going to die. Great. You can go about it, whatever you want. Um, I think I would like to uh, retroactively re uh, award uh, Explosion Man for one of the best games of 2009. Interesting. Only because I made the grievous error of not playing it until just recently <clears throat> basically being turned off by all of the talk of how hard the game was right uh, not the challenge it's just that the the technical the technicality of how precise you need to be with what you're doing in that game turned me off and I'm not a big fan of games that rely on trial and error uh -huh. which that game does heavily because there are just some sections and levels you can't possibly complete without inching your way through it. This is true. Uh, but the charm and wit and sense of humor in that game does a lot to alleviate anything, any problems I have with its technicality. Right. Uh, and like I told you, like you told me basically, I mean, I'm basically preaching to the choir when I tell you that, but... Uh, yeah. I've uh, rarely have I played a game that had a better sense of like comedic timing and like evocative characterization was so little cause like all, all Explosion Man basically says is gibberish the entire game <laughs> right but he's like one of the most enjoyable characters I've ever seen ever so I yeah, don't know if I, you remember but I was a long time ago when we were talking about this and I was trying to liken him to Sonic the Hedgehog mm -hmm. at least the first and second game Sonic the Hedgehog right how he was um he had so many animations that gave him such character with so real little. Right. Explosion Man's a lot like that. Definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of little touches in that game that are amazing. Like how many different run animations he has and all these different yeah. things. And how, you... how much like contextual... I don't know. How, how many like little events in that game that are obviously planned to be funny. But I don't know. It doesn't feel like the game stops to be like here, look at this. Okay, now play the game again. Right. There's like in the course of you barreling through these levels, 
hilarious things happen that are obviously that they obviously set up right. so that the camera was in the right position for you to get the gag or whatever. When you think about it, I don't mean to sell them to sell them short or anything, but when you think about the game, <clears throat> it's really well done on like every level, but it's probably really easy to put together. Right. If you know what I mean? Right. And so they probably had a real lot of time separate from the people who are designing the levels mm -hmm. the animators and everything probably had a real lot of time to spend on just like coming up all with the things. really yeah all the really yeah. really small details which it turned out amazing for the game but yeah. I mean I really I can see that happening because I mean what what must go on in the design of that kind of game it must really just be all about the levels and the layout which must be able to be set up in a way kind of like old tile games on the Super Nintendo and that you're really just constructing these courses. Right. Um, yeah. You can just basically probably snap them together like a Lego set. So. Right. There's people who are working on that and I'm sure people who are working on the animation and the animators did a good job. That's why I think that that new game, uh, Comic Jumper, mm -hmm. did you watch their newest uh, video? Uh, I watched whatever one that was like a almost like a 10 minute thing of yeah. someone playing the game. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I thought some of the humor was a little weird. Um, like everybody, <laughs> like Explosion Man, everyone's like, "Oh, I love the donut song." It's right. kind of funny, but I don't. I don't, think I don't it's that funny. It's it's just kind of it's funny the first time it happens. Right. And you're like, "Oh, funny! They made a a, a donut song about a fat man." Okay, joke's over. Right. I agree with that. It's not that funny, but like, so like in in the Comic Jumper video I watched when. Uh, he fights Brad in the helicopter, and they have like this, the Brad song. <laughs> right. It's kind of funny, but <laughs> I think that's funnier than the donut. Yeah. Thing, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, gameplay-wise, yeah, I think it looks awesome. Just the like the when he's going through the bank, and like as you're watching it, you're sort of like, how big is his fucking bank? Right. Like he's going through rooms and rooms and rooms of, yeah. of the bank. It's totally ridiculous and absurd. It's like all this 16-bit game. I mean, right. You know exactly. What I mean? Right. And the uh, the the use of depth I thought was really cool. How they have guys coming out like toward the screen, and you can hit right. guys at the screen, kind of thing. Uh, sort of like a not like it, but sort of shadow complex in that they're just utilizing all th the three dimensions, even though you're moving in two. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for it, and I'm really excited for it because uh, it was. I guess they were Twisted Pixel was saying that in the final product every level will have a unique art style right and music and uh i don't is, is the is the hero called comic jumper i don't remember what his name is his name's captain smiley or something, something. I, I wish I, I wish i was more even he will be done redone per level. to look like the the appropriate art style per level and just when i hear a company you know i see a company obviously put as much work into a game like explosion man and hear them go yeah, we're doing a unique, unique art style for every level in this game. Right. I'm pretty confident it will be amazing. Well, people talk about that game and, and how small that company is and that this is a really uh, ballsy thing for them to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're basically promising... They're signing themselves up for a real lot of work for yeah. the size of their company. But uh, I don't know. I have a lot of confidence in them since everything they put out so far seems to be done with a lot of care. Did you ever play the mall? Yeah, I played the mall. It's not really my style of game. It's like, I mean, I would I would probably say it's something. Did you ever play it? 
I wa no, I watched videos of it. You know, it's like a sense of what it was. It's like a mix between a platformer and an adventure game. Mm -hmm. And I hate adventure games. <laughs> and the platforming isn't interesting enough to yeah make me pay any more attention to it than I already did. Sure. So I played the demo and it was it was interesting. But I mean, regardless of how good the game was, uh, the animation and everything was really darn good. So that they know what they're doing as far as that side of the development goes. Uh. What else? What else? What else? Oh, uh, Omega Five. I downloaded. Uh, I actually have not spent enough time with that game, but uh, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about other than it reminds me a lot of R-Type Final, and I really enjoy playing a uh, a twin stick shooter that is constructed like a regular shmup. Yeah, Forgotten Worlds. Yeah, exactly. Did uh, you hear actually? That Forgotten Worlds was going to be one of those titles, and yeah, that I saw that. Can you? Depressing. That is really depressing. It's depressing that they chose Magic Sword over Forgotten Worlds. I mean, maybe. I mean, obviously, I'm speaking from a biased standpoint. I love Forgotten Worlds, like no, probably more than the average person. But how could they possibly? I'm just Magic curious Sword? if they what research went into that. If they if they if the research actually bore out that more people would want to see Magic Sword ported than Forgotten Worlds. I think it's got more to do with the fact that they could possibly sell Forgotten Worlds as the big draw right. later it'll on. Have, it'll be Forgotten Worlds double impact. Right. And it'll be packaged with some secondary thing. Like Magic Sword. Right. That's probably true. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer. But, uh, yeah, Omega 5 is a really cool game. Uh, I'm not the best shmup player in the world. That game's not that hard. I just haven't spent a lot of time with it. Uh, but I really like the aesthetic of it. And I feel like, I feel like that game will get forgotten. In the history of gaming, oh, it's already forgotten. Like really when you think like so? really, like really forgotten. Even when yeah. it's it's even when people like on the shmups forum try and discuss, <clears throat> someone always inevitably comes around and says, "Hey, I'm buying a 360. I want to get some shmups. What should I get?" Someone says Omega Five. No one says Omega oh, Five. Oh, oh, you say one person says it, and everyone's like, "What?" Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's one of those games that only like five replies in, and it finally gets mentioned. Right. Uh, it really snuck out onto the market. It was like one of the. It was one of really the first, uh, like, highly produced games. I think. Like it, I remember yeah. Hudson was talking about a long time ago the review or not the review but the uh, preview or press or whatever I was reading for it. Hudson was talking about how the success of this game is going to uh, basically say whether or not they make continue making games for Xbox Live Arcade, <clears throat> and there really aren't many other Hudson games for XBLA. Right. So I have to assume that it didn't really do too well. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm probably talking out of my ass here, but I vaguely remember <clears throat> that game probably coming out around the time that Microsoft was starting to realize what they had with yeah with Xbox Live Arcade. Right. So there wasn't nearly as much attention paid toward toward it. Uh, there probably wasn't a lot of money put behind it, and it it's probably just a victim of the fact that. Not a lot of people had their eyes uh, looking at the marketplace, right? So you didn't have a lot of those people going, "Oh, what's this game? Let me try it out," and then eventually they buy it. Uh, so it's unfortunate for that game because it is really well. It is surprisingly well done for a, a, an arcade title, especially for and, one of the first. You know, yeah. And if you told me, you know, <clears throat> you say Hudson made a shmup on Xbox Live Arcade, you kind of have an expectation set. And uh, Omega Five exceeds that definitely. So, yeah, I'd pick that up if you. Uh... And I think it goes on. It goes on sale. 
not super frequently, but I know I have seen it occasionally go down to five or five bucks. Really? Yeah, occasionally. I think it's one of those things where it's one of those games where they're like, oh, Xbox Arc Xbox Live Arcade has a sale, and you're like, oh man, what can I get? And it's like one game that you probably already have, <laughs> right? And then a bunch of games you'd like, oh, I don't really want those, right? But that's where Omega Five ends. Right, up. right, right. I can see uh, that. They don't really do a very good job advertising that. No. Probably because they don't want to give anything away for cheap. So, other than that, the only other really the thing to talk about, um, I mean, I'm still playing Just Cause 2, but there's absolutely nothing worth talking about in that game. Um, it's that good, huh? There's just something really addictive about playing it, and I think I, think I might be getting off on it vicariously because it's kind of like Crackdown. Right. So there's just like a weird vicarious sort of like... This is vaguely like the experience I remember having, so I'm going to continue playing it because I can't get it yet uh, with the sequel. The only other thing we're talking about is uh, Afterburner Climax, which I wanted and wasn't sure I was going to spend $10 on because I knew I was going to be spending $10 on uh, Final Fight Double Impact, which I did. But I watched the quick look of it, and once I saw those EX options... I stopped watching it and immediately went and bought it. And ended up playing it most of last night. I've never been a big Afterburner fan. <clears throat> In fact, when I was younger, I didn't understand the game. Like, I didn't I didn't get the mechanic of how to properly play Afterburner. Right. So, uh, just the, the name alone didn't do it for me, but having watched the videos of it and it basically just being, like, Wipeout in, in the sky right. in terms of the sense of speed... And uh, vaguely sort of reminds you of the uh, Yakuza 3 shmup Boxelios. Oh, for sure. Because it has that Bryce 3D, like, I was t- God, endless repeating... Literally took the words out of my mouth <laughs> waiting to talk about this. Yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a fucking uh, virtual... Well, it looks like just computer graphics from the early 90s, but you're yeah. playing it. It looks like basically like the end of like Lawnmower Man or something, where it's just like <laughs> the same graphic element just for you until the level is over. Those uh, sort of abstract graphics speak to me way more than realism. Oh sure. Why I mean why I mean I don't under, I really <laughs> don't understand that but I don't either. I they're don't just have a far more interesting to me than seeing this world regurgitated digitally. Like I Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Especially like there's the uh, the nighttime level where you're flying over the city where for all intents and purposes that city is like, endless the size of Texas. <laughs> At least, right, <laughs> right, and uh, yeah, that game's awesome. I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm super competent at it, but the game is so chaotic and frantic. I'm not entirely sure what competency looks like in that game, because like, I can't tell if I'm supposed to be able to one credit that game or not. I don't see how you could, but maybe I'm just not good at it. I can't tell. And it's an AM2 game. I mean, it's it's really well done on. Every oh, it's front. an AM2 game through and through. Yeah, and I mean, most Sega games, especially arcade games tend to have a depth to them that is really, really far under the surface and only emerges after hours of play. Sure. And I, I mean, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. There's really only people who, like, haven't played Afterburner, and then there's people who are really good at it. That's right. it. You and the... I mean, I mean I'm, I've, I'm one achievement away from 200-ing it already. I mean, and I haven't had it for 24 hours, but I know for a fact I'll continue to play it well after I do that just because... A lot of the uh, EX options you unlock, you basically unlock by accomplishing various things in the game, either like beating it or dying so many times or firing so many missiles or killing so many enemies, etc., etc. 
Not that I'm calling you a liar, but I'd really like to see if you keep playing it. Really? Yeah. I will. I, I well, okay. Yeah. I can't say for sure. I could just end up saying like fuck this, but uh bright colorful graphics and like the fact that you can use the Afterburner 2 music. Not that the exactly. climax music isn't any good. It's amazing. Uh because I think they specific they specifically use the uh the remix from Bayonetta. I'm pretty sure. The uh the one motorcycle stage in Bayonetta yeah. and we were like, "What is this from?" Right. I think it's the same track in Climax. I, I would assume because why would they just do it a third time? Mm -hmm. So I always pick the stage where that track appears because I like it. But the Afterburner 2 music is really cool too. And hearing that paired up with the like ridiculous hyper uh, hyper computer graphic look of the, of the stages and the franticness of the game and the fact that the average playthrough takes less than 10 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's bonus. I uh, I don't know that I'll be playing it at a level to where I can one credit it and hit and get a hundred percent shot down every stage. But that's I know a for a fact I will probably end up playing it maybe once a month at least. Yeah. That's kind of how I do Outrun. Yeah, I mean Outrun for XPLA is is the same way in almost every respect. It's like a fast, quick ten minute game that is borderline absurd. It's so surreal. Right. And, um, it's just fun to like get into and come out of really quick. And if anything, I could say that my ten dollars goes toward saying to Sega, "Do more of these." Yeah. Do more of your. Do like do you know? Do Super Hang On. I'd buy that. You know, do more of your classic uh, arcade titles. Planet Harriers. Like yeah, definitely. Someone bring Planet Harriers so I can try it once. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like that game a lot. I mean. I'm going through it incredibly fast, and it is an easy 200 achievements, and it's a lot of the EX options make the game way easier to admit. I mean, and they don't affect whether or not you get achievements, so it's kind of a cheat. But the absurdity of what you can do and how, like, eventually I'll pro I'll get to the point where my missiles auto lock on, and I never run out of them. There will just be something satisfying about barreling through those levels at top speed, just firing missiles endlessly. Yeah, oh, most definitely. Because so, sometimes, uh, I mean, it's really just about the experience. Sure. Especially in that game, it's just like a, it's a visual, auditory hallucination <laughs> of some fucking virtual planet right. from the 1980s. <laughs> what's, weird is, what's weird to me is I've seen a lot of people, uh, to say one last thing on this game, I've seen a lot of people making comments that they feel the game is too fast for them. And uh, obviously with the anonymity of the internet, I can't tell you how old some of these people are, but I get the impression a lot of them are younger teenagers. You think so? Who, uh, I mean, I get that impression from some people. I mean, I guess a lot of them are probably older people as well. But it's just kind of weird to me that in this day and age, there can be a game where some people are just like, man, I can't handle that speed. Like, I can't take it. It's just it's dizzying to watch. Uh, you could be totally right, but I just... I would totally and it, assume that it was older people. It could be part of me wishing, you know, now that I'm entering the, the latter half of my 20s, uh, that some that in some way I am better than these 16-year-old prodigies That's at what it something. Is. That's what it is. Yeah, it's for <laughs> sure. Because I've come to I'll accept... admit that up and down. Yeah, I've come to, <laughs> I've come to accept the exact opposite. Uh, and before I did... I would have thought the exact same thing that you thought. Yeah. You know, trying to justify it, but... 
Now I've got a feeling that these children are uh, the same kind of little assholes that would pick up a game like Escaluda 2 when they're five years old and be able to conquer it. <laughs> uh, you know, once you see it really fast. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that you know is is it once really inspiring and makes me hopeful for the future, but uh, at the same time makes me really upset. Yeah, sure. And hopeless for myself. Sure. So, uh, oh youth. What's that? I said, oh youth. Yeah. So that's uh, that's really the last thing I've been playing that's worth talking about uh, at any length. Uh, the the Final Fight Double Impact with Magic Sword um, is a great release just because like the the care in that release is just so evident. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Final Fight. If you haven't played it by now at least once, even if you hate it, then it's probably not going to be something you're going to enjoy. I cannot believe I just drove right into a mine. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, Magic Sword's cool too. Uh, it's like I told you, it's a game that I I forgot what it was, and once I realized what it was. Um, I was pretty excited to have it. And uh, just the fact that you can play it in the cabinet mode and you can turn it on, just the original music or the redone music for both games. Uh, And it has like a myriad of filters and it's even got a filter that makes it look like an arcade screen. With the burn-in. It has like a weird burn-in and like the phosphor line. It's just the fact that you know somebody somewhere was like, this is what people have been getting for free on an emulator for years. Right. But now let's give them something a little extra for them to give us our money, like redone music, like the cabinet artwork and stuff like that. Yeah, it's probably uh, the I most... I like rewarding companies for doing that. Yeah, it's the most appropriate way to treat old properties. Sure. I don't want to see them remade in terrible 3D graphics a la Sega Ages collections. I don't want to <laughs> see them uh, filtered into high definition. Yeah. Just give me the stuff that I used to enjoy. Yeah, and give me the options to basically fuck around with it. Yeah, I mean that presentation. You know, I downloaded the demo and messed around with it. And mm-hmm. I can't speak to the quality of those games because I don't really like either of them. But it's ridiculous. It's something. I mean, I don't even know if they're gonna do something that complete again. Like, I would be really surprised if this game is successful enough to warrant them doing that amount of work again. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to do it. I wish they would have done this amount of work to a game that was a little bit more popular. But I can't think of another game that they the hold only the property rights. would be Street Fighter, to. but they already did it. Right. Yeah, and they can't re 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 release that game again. So <laughs> I don't know, but it's really cool. Yeah. So, Speaking you... of Capcom. Oh yeah. Lost Planet Two. You're pretty excited about that. Yeah, I really like it. Not that I'm not unexcited. It's just. The first one missed me, and it's been way too long for me to play it now. Uh, I think. I don't know for sure. but I mean, you can talk about <clears throat> how weird of a game this is and how different it is from most multiplayer games, especially team-based games that are coming out now from the West. But right. the bottom line with this game is uh, it's probably one of... And I think this speaks to a lot of Japanese games. It's not very friendly for new people. Yeah. Um like every other game that's coming out from Japan, you're basically subscribing to this game for the next couple months if you want to enjoy it. Yeah. You know? I would uh, say, yeah. That's pretty much all there is to it. Like, I can I can get into a good game of Blur real quick, right. hop in and out, and feel good about myself whether I win or lose, mm-hmm. and it's not frustrating. 
and the same can be said for Battlefield, which I, th I felt the same about. And right. even Modern Warfare 2, they reward you, they reward you so frequently that even if you lose, you're also feeling really good about yourself. Now, these games that are coming out of Japan do nothing for your <laughs> Steam. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they do nothing for your Steam. Uh, playing these games basically makes you feel handicapped in a lot of ways. But uh, if you're the kind of person who enjoys the challenge of mastering a new game and the aesthetic appeals to you, which it does to me, then it's basically a really good game that you should check out. Um, however, if you're only the kind of person who, if you're the kind of person who doesn't have a lot of free time, uh, if you're older maybe, and uh, you don't really have time to learn an entire new control scheme, or the physics of this world, or the like subtle rules of the world that tell you whether or not you're going to get killed by these bullets or kill someone with this bomb. Right. Then why even? I, I mean, I wouldn't even say don't even approach this game because it's so fucking alien compared to the stuff that's coming out of the West in terms of first and third person shooters that it's it's basically unapproachable I think um, and what's interesting is the aspects of the game that should be the most friendly or that seem like they would be included in there to be to open the game up which are the VS suits right uh, control more difficultly than right. you would ever expect them to right much in the same way that EDFs quote unquote VS suits controlled yeah. so bizarrely and difficultly that you didn't even use them. Sure. Um, yeah, basically this game is just uh, a series of challenges. It's a challenge to learn the controls. It's a challenge to learn the game itself. It's a challenge to learn all these maps because the maps are really, really complex. They're the kind of maps that you'll play them 20, 30 times and still uncover new areas and new locations that you didn't know existed in them before. Yeah, the one the one that's on the, the demo, uh, if they're all fairly like that, it's it's like one of those things where it has so many like corners sure. and like weird little things. It just so happens that I appreciate that sort of level design mm -hmm. more than the very detailed hallways of Modern Warfare 2. Sure. Which is all Modern Warfare 2 is. Right. It's very fucking detailed hallways. Uh, I really like the ability to explore the environment that I'm in. And I really like not being quite sure where I can go at any given time. Uh, it just feels more liberating to me in some respects. It's not necessarily that it feels more realistic. It's not really a realism thing. It just uh, I kind of like the choice. So, uh, yeah, I'm really still excited about this game, and I wish there was a way that we both could play it, because I really want to go through it. It's uh, co-op, yeah. because it's so much like a friendlier Monster Hunter. Because I really like Monster Hunter's dynamics, mm -hmm. and the gameplay mechanics are what turn me off. Right. Uh, this is more of a first-person shooter, but still sticks with the go-destroy-this-monster using all sorts of tactics and level your characters up. Uh, so I really wish there was a way we could both play this game. Well, the... Um the thing about it to me that's really that that entertains me is that uh, if if anything can be said about my taste in games, it's that I really appreciate or not necessarily appreciate, but I like I like knowing what a company's intentions are with its game, yeah. and even if even if what they deliver is not quite on par with what they what they meant to do, yeah, you know. But I can see, oh, I can see what they were trying with here, 
yeah. and they just kind of missed the mark. Uh, that can make a game better for me, as stupid as that may be. Because I know a lot of people will say, well, that doesn't account for anything, you know. They may have wanted so this game sucks. I like the attitude that they seem to be taking where it's essentially just like... Game the game? Yeah, it's like Capcom the video game because in multiplayer, you have Wesker, you have Frank West... Uh, you have who knows who else will be make appearances, and I'm sure there will be items you can adorn your character with that look not so subtly like things from other Capcom games. Right. Uh, and just sort of the weird, like, I don't say flippant, but just the attitude they're taking with, like, yeah, this game's like Monster Hunter, but it's also like the first Lost Planet, but it has Capcom characters in it, but it has this, and then there's this, and this, and this. That's really appealing to me in some weird way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know if it's because, like, I don't know the reasoning behind it. But it's interesting. It could be because they don't think the game's competent enough. <laughs> could be. I mean, there's. I mean, you know what I mean. I thought that actually when I when I saw them throw the Gears of War guys in there, I was like, sure. wow, they really don't think this game's gonna do very well. So yeah. They're just trying to snag as many people. Right. Yeah, that seems like an easy thing to throw out to get more people to play it. That but I mean, wouldn't have. like you said, it could be just you know throw everything at it and see what sticks. But then what was weird is, did you watch the... There was a trailer for that game that came out this year, but probably back in February. That was like a six-minute trailer that had, like, no real... No narration and, like, no direction. It was just clips from the game set to, like, music from the game, assumedly. And there was, like... uh, There was a scene where they had this, like, big, like, uh, sand crawler thing going across a desert. And really? it's probably yeah, and it looked like the uh what do they call that Halo the elephant in Halo? The yeah. big like car carrier thing. Right. And it was just full of just like borderlands looking like gangsters with like weird like goggles on and like straps on their face <laughs> and everything. Right. And coming up behind them was like a bunch of like scraggly desert dweller people on like weird like bikes. And they they were like assaulting this big carrier. But there was absolutely no context as to what, who these factions were, why they were fighting, where in the game this takes place. I can appreciate that. Or like what relevance it has to anything. All you knew was like, okay, I assume at some point in the game this happens and I'll be a part of it. I like that. Set to other like weird random just like, look at this, look at this. I wouldn't even be disappointed. And all of the comments on it on the site that I watched, people were like, this is so weird. Like, it has no... I don't know what any of this means, but I'm really excited to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> that just speaks to the fact that who who the fuck really needs stories? Yeah, it was just a bunch of, like, really cool-looking, like, combat scenarios. Great. Do it. Put it together. Right. <laughs> I'll play it. I mean, really. Yeah. That, 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 that aspect of their attitude with this game, I totally, I totally agree with you, and, and I totally can get behind. It's sort of a... You don't really need to know what the fuck's going on, other than it's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> right. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, that was terrible. So, so, I mean, hopefully that game, I get a chance to play it, but there's just honestly too many games, and I have negative money, so I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm about to play, play Resident the, uh, Evil 5 again. I'll definitely play the uh, the demo some more, because, like you said, there will probably be a point. It, it may not happen <clears throat> within the time I give the demo, like give put my time into it, I hope it does. But there's always that moment where you have the one match or you discover the one thing and you're like, oh. Right. If I exploit this one thing because it works well for me, then this game will become infinitely more enjoyable. 
to me that game just has so many different ways to play. Right. Which I know you everyone says that about every kind of game that is multiplayer and team sure. based, but I don't really feel I feel so disasso dissociated from my team. Like right. I don't really feel like I'm a part of them. Right. Which is probably how these sand people feel <laughs> about each other, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> but I don't really feel like I'm a part of their team, and I don't really feel guilty if I'm not participating in mm. the objectives. Sure. Uh, it's basically like, let me just go fuck around in this place. Right. And, and then you usually what will happen, well, it seems like what will happen frequently is you'll run into the other person on the other team doing that. Yeah. And, and then, then you'll you basically have your own, like, your own separate, like, war that has nothing to do with yeah. the match that's going on around you. I like that way more than I do structured objective-based team play. Sure. I love Battlefield or even some of the team play in Modern Warfare 2. Plus, there's something distinctly, you know, the way that this, you can argue this whatever way you want to. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's any argument that American front-end design or infrastructure for online gaming is superior to Japanese in almost every way. Sure. But there's something so empty about Japanese online games. Uh, it just does not... Regardless of what they do, I never feel connected. I never feel like I'm online. You know, they do a really good job of... of hooking me up with other people to play against mm -hmm. and me never having to identify those people with real people just being yeah. able to take advantage of the fact that they're not AI and they're more interesting to play sure that's I mean that's essentially how I felt about uh, Metal Gear Online oh yeah which is probably the closest comparison I could make between Lost Planet yeah uh, yeah it's weird it's like they're just one step above an AI uh, buddy like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Seriously, I'll take that all the time compared to... I mean, I've had some good times on Halo 3 and the first Modern Warfare, but the attitudes that you find on there are typically just so fucking abrasive that it turns you off to the whole universe of the game. Sure. So uh, there's that game, Yeah. which uh, seems pretty good. Other than that, I can't really think... Uh, I don't think I've played anything else. No? I've been playing Blur a real a real lot, man. I saw you played uh, E4 some more because you you've uh, you finally got that one achievement. Yeah, I got that one with help. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, still have to get the gold shooter achievement, which is absurdly difficult, man. Absurdly difficult. Have you gone after that achievement or what? No. You have no idea, man. <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. It's not even. It's just not even fair. The patterns and everything—it's—it's—it's it's, it's one of those games that you have to exploit the faults in the game to get the achievement. I don't know. It's going to be a bastard. Oh, and I've actually been playing a lot of pacifism again. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Did somebody come close to one of your scores? No, not even close. Oh. <laughs> My leaderboards are still—at least for pacifism—I'm still almost three times as high as most people. But. Uh, have you ever gotten stepped away from a game? for a really long time, got back into it, and your first time playing it, you get pretty darn far, to the further than you thought you would get. Mm -hmm. And you say to yourself, you know what, I feel like better at this game despite having not played it for months. Oh, yeah. It's like 
I don't know if it has to do with other video games I've played and my hand-eye coordination getting even better via those. Right. Could be. Could be. Or if it's just my brain needed a break. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But regardless, yeah, I'm pretty... I think I'm better than I am, better than I was before. I think it's possible that I can beat that score. This is really thrilling to everyone who's listening. But yeah, I think I can beat my fucking pacifism score. Anyone who wants to challenge me in pacifism. My name is R.C. Paskus on Xbox Live. <laughs> it's the only thing that Go I ahead, enjoy. Go ahead, it only fuel your desire yeah. to beat it. And it's the only thing I enjoy competing on, as far as video games go, that and Tetris. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Yeah. Oh, I've been playing Mushi a lot. Oh, yeah? Still like it? Yeah, My interestingly enough, my Xbox destroyed my disc. All right. So I can't install it, but I can run it off the disc. Does that make any sense? You can sense? play it directly from the disc. Yeah, you can play it directly from the disc. Have it spin. Have make it make any sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. And I played through the whole game in various modes, trying to find like the sector of the disc that was maybe bad during the install. Oh right, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But there, there has never been a time in any of the gameplay modes in any of my playthroughs that it's frozen or anything. But when I try to install it on my 360, it only goes to three percent and starts over, or says that it can't. Or it says do it, it can't read it. So that's really bizarre. Yeah, I don't really understand it. That's less. That's not even like no sense. It's like the anti- mystery it's of like the, antithetical to it's, logic. It's the mystery of the Xbox. There's so many <laughs> aspects of Xbox <laughs> design and the way it works that make less than zero sense. You know, but uh, that's just another one of them. That's absurd. And Galuda too. The uh, yeah. Still, are you getting better at it? It's a great game. Yeah, it's a great game. I only wish I could be playing Ketsway. Still for a while. And reverse time and jump up and bounce off your fifth time shadow to the right and then reverse time. Now drop your time crystal by hitting tab. And this will levitate your first time shadow and slow down all your subsequent and subsequent time shadows. So wait for the right moment and bounce up on the platform. Now drink a time elixir and reverse time so you stay where you are but all your time shadows disappear. Now pick up the key and throw it so it hits the gobbler in the face. And it'll be dead even after you reverse time because it's not shiny. So reverse time, go over the key's time shadow, drop the key, use the key's time shadow on the door, then use the key on the door's time shadow. Now take out a time crystal, break it in F1, drink an elixir, and then reverse time. And then delete eight stars of the crystal's time shadow, reverse time, and drink one of the elixir's time shadows. Reverse time, Visit gamehelpin.com. Visit gamehelpinsquad.com. kind of did a little bit with Lost Planet. You're going to have to refresh me a little bit on what happened with that. 
boom, Captivate. Well, there was Marvel vs. Capcom 3. What do you think? That's a game. Uh, that looks like a game. I don't have a problem with the uh, the graphics, the graphical style like a lot of people uh, I know do. Right. And had I not read any comments about what people think about that trailer, I still would make that assessment. Mm. Like I know people just aren't going to be down with that like pseudo 3D comic thing uh, because they want to be stubborn. I guess I don't know. Uh, which is weird because you see that that. Real quick, real quick aside, that attitude is kind of weird to me because so many uh, fighting game purists, fans, uh, people who play on like tournament levels, yeah, or like to think they can, uh, make a big deal about how it's all about the gameplay and if the gameplay is interesting and if it sets up interesting situations and all, et cetera, et cetera. But when the graphical style changes, they are like the biggest complainers. Right. And I don't understand, other than them just sort of being uh, against the change. Yeah, to be honest, yeah, they are against the change because it's changed. Because I've I've never met any. Boy, this is as if we needed to be. Uh, as if we needed any more enemies, but right. <laughs> I've never really talked to a person who was only into fighting games. You know, like a really hardcore fighter. Sure. Who appreciated anything other, anything about the game other than the gameplay? Mm -hmm. Like I've never really talked to a hardcore fighter who understood that much about game design outside of the actual fighting. Mm -hmm. Which maybe because the systems within those games are so complex, that's really all you can uh, fit in your brain at any sure. given time. I mean, that could be an explanation for it, but. Um, yeah, it's like we talked about when we were talking about Tekken 6 a while ago. It's We play those kind of games for a different reason. And I know for me, it's it's almost more about the aesthetics than it is the gameplay. Yeah. And for them, it's obviously the other way around. Yeah, well, like when we were just sitting here, you were watching me play King of Fighters. Uh, the bulk of our discussion was revolving around what levels do you remember from this game and like what are the best ones. Right. And can I play long enough to, to see the majority of them? Right, beating... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Defeating people, actually, it was only just to see the next level. Right. But uh, that game, you know, I, I read a lot about it since, and uh, they said some pretty interesting things, uh, either directly or indirectly, suggesting that they don't really... that they're not really paying that much attention to the balance of this game. Capcom is not? Yeah. Huh. I have a feeling that this game's not going to be very... It's a weird thing to throw out. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I have a really weird feeling that I don't think this game is going to be a very traditional fighter at all. Like, I, I really don't think it. I think it's going to be more of like a real-time strategy game. Like, you know how Marvel vs. Capcom 2, you have so many... Not, they're not strikers. I forget what they're called in that game. But oh, uh, you have so many, like, either. assists. Sure. And, like, and different characters you can call in and stuff. Right. Uh, I have a feeling they're going to go that route more... Because they're simplifying, they said, the attack moves. Mm -hmm. Well, they're limiting the number of buttons, first of all. Like they did with Tatsunoko. Mm -hmm. And the way they're talking about it makes me think that it's going to be more about sort of screen real estate battling as opposed to tactical fighting. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And yeah. uh, because I think that they, with this partnership with Marvel, since both companies are bigger now. Yeah they want a little bit more from the game 
than what they would typically give to the hardcore. Like, I think they want this game to be really big for both of them. And I think Marvel recognizes that it could be. And I think Capcom recognizes that it could be for them. Yeah. So they're playing to an audience that's larger than the hardcore. Sure. And I think this this game's going to have a a group of hardcore... Well, I just don't think it's going to be very accepted by the hardcore. They're playing partially to people who have been paying money to see Marvel movies right. lately. And they want to play a game with Marvel characters. And that's it. another reason why I'm not that interested in the game is because I don't really care about comics. Mm -hmm. I've never been interested in my life. And right. So when they're like, look who's in it on Marvel side, and you're like, I can care less. All right. Not only that, but to be honest, anyone outside of the Street Fighter universe on Capcom side? Well, I can't say that, I guess. I guess I really just don't like Darkstalkers, and it seems like they're <laughs> loading this game with Darkstalkers characters, and I could give a fuck about any Darkstalker character. Right. Um, I guess I kind of do want to play as Dante and Frank West and all that good stuff, but uh, especially Chris Redfield. Yeah. But uh, the Marvel side, I just don't really care. I don't know. I I'm not really excited about this game at all. Maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is one of the stupidest games I've ever played in my life. Like, once, <laughs> once you get by the fact that it has, like, 60 characters, and look you, at what's going on in the game. And the same, too. Not in the game. Look at the fucking backgrounds. They make no sense. They make zero They're sense. They're all, like, circus backgrounds. Uh, the music, yeah, it's really interesting and novel, but is it appealing to anyone, really? It's like the kind of people that say they, they claim to like that music and buy the soundtrack are the kind of people that wear video game t-shirts. <laughs> they wear the full print samurai shirts, right. button-up shirts. Like, hey, this is this is what I'm all about. I'm all about games. Yeah. See this music? It's game music. Yeah. It's good. Really? <laughs> Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was like someone dropped a bomb next to three different games. <laughs> and that's, that's what came out. He just cobbled together what was left. I guess this is a game. But I'm down. I, I obviously don't like Marvel's Captain yeah. Twice. And then there was Bionic Commando Rearmed 2. Yes. You never played the first one, huh? No. I can't believe that. No. There's jumping in this one. You can jump. It looks like Shadow Complex. That's not fair to say. Right. But it but looks like Shadow Complex. <laughs> you, should, you should play the first one because it's really good. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I was just thinking that if I didn't... Like, I have not beaten the first one completely yet. Mm -hmm. And I won't be able to if this game comes out. Because I'm never going to go back to it since you're going to be able to jump. And oh, so, oh, man. It's, if something is changing, as game-changing as, as jumping, jumping... to I mean, I, I know... Stupid. You're like, you can jump, but... No. If you <laughs> never played Bionic Commando, it's like, no, you can jump. Yeah. Now. <laughs> it totally nullifies the other game. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never play the first one again. That's what that that's the only thing that kind of bothers me with the release of this one. If I buy this one, I will literally never play the other one again. Right. So it's like I threw it away. <laughs> yeah. Um So I guess there's that game, then there's another Sengoku Basara game which is Dynasty Warriors, but nobody cares. Yeah, there's Okami Den, but <sighs> Okami Den, I could I care play, less about I never that did either. get around to playing Okami. Me neither, I really want uh, to. I don't own a DS. Me neither. My so, God's phone. Uh, yeah, that's not for me. Um, Nor does it look very appealing to me. I don't really I, I didn't even bother to look at it because... I just don't have the desire to play adventure games on the DS. Like giant games that have, you know, huge areas to explore and dungeons. It just seems so cramped. I don't want to... Maybe if I was on a road trip with my parents and I was like five years old 
and I wanted to get into the game so much to get away from my parents. Right. That I could like look at that little screen and pretend I was there, but now I'm not going to sit in front of a DS and play an adventure game. So it's obviously not marketed towards me. Yeah. What else was there? In? I don't know. Uh, there was one more at least that I'm thinking of. There was uh, oh, Ghost Trick. <laughs> Did you see that? No, I heard. I, really? I mean, I heard Giant Bomb talking about it, and I I didn't go look it up yet. But what was weird is they were talking about it. It sounded a lot like that Geist game for the GameCube. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's totally what I thought of. When you see it, though, you're gonna <laughs> your mind will just totally go. Oh, that's what they were saying. I don't know. It looks just looks like it looks like a mix between Maniac Mansion and. Flashback. Oh, weird. You know, like really almost rotoscoped animation. Sure. But really all you're doing is tapping on things in an environment to make other things happen. Right. I really like that, man. I watched the video of it and got really psyched because it's like a new IP. It's creative in terms of the IP and what you're doing in the game. And it's a puzzle game, which there's three great things. I'll probably play it. Well, someone tells me it looks like Flashback. I'm interested because of that immediately. Right, yeah. But That's yeah, a good buzzword it, to ride. Flashback? Yeah. If I were a game, I would drop that. Drop that line any chance I could. So. But, uh, something else? I I there's know. something else. Obviously nothing important if we can't even think about it. I guess. It's just, I don't know. Capcom on the whole to me is a weird company because they have a lot of oh they have a lot of properties I like, but uh, no wonder we can't think about it. Neither of us give a fuck about this game. Dead Rising two. Oh, oh yeah, that game. You can listen to one of our prior podcasts where we talk about how t- terrible we think this game's gonna be. Well, it's even more. It's more so. It's worth talking about a little bit because I guess they they did reveal a little more on the uh, structure of the game since that was a big thing people were concerned about. And apparently they've decided that the way the first game operated was totally fine because they're not changing the uh, the time limit or the deadline aspect or anything like that. Okay, so what do you think about that? Um, I got around it in the first game mostly because I kind of figured out how to deal with it, I guess, or how to best work it in to enjoy that game. I didn't enjoy the game because of it. I enjoyed the game despite the fact that it was in the game. Yeah. And I don't know. It's so weird to me that a company like, uh, what the fuck are they called? Blue Canyon or whatever? Blue Castle? And that's good. Somebody who's seen, what's that? <laughs> that you knew that. Blue Castle? I did not that, know anything uh, about these people. <laughs> that seems so obviously tuned in to what people had to say about the first game and it's sort of always been like a we know we know like we know what you want to see with the next one yeah that they're like no we're going to leave that in because that was such a contentious point well i wonder game. i wonder if they're going to i wonder if they're going to try and sell this game to japan and i wonder if that's why i wonder if they were told to leave it in there do you think that repealed to the japanese gamer that yeah. deadline style oh god yeah 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 you don't think so? I couldn't say confidently either way. I could. The only way I would say, the only reason I would say yes, is because the Japanese are into some weird things, and weird like restrictive, rule-based things. Anytime you artificially extend the life of a game via really, really complex, overly complex rules, mm-hmm. the Japanese are into it. 
it's like a byproduct of the NES days. I don't know, like it's just what they've been raised on. That's all they know. Whereas like Americans have been like simplifying games and making that more intuitive, and that's like the path we're going down. They're right. just like intent on making really, 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 really complex things that you have to master on so many levels to get good. Almost yeah. where every aspect of the game is taking up some real estate, real estate in your brain. Uh, to me. I dig that because it invests me in the game more mentally, mm. and uh, I just tend to dig it more. But uh, Americans, they don't dig that. They just want a really smooth, well-integrated, intuitively controlled game. Yeah. Weird because... Well, it's not weird. But, yeah, just recently there was an article written by uh, some idiot. Uh, <laughs> really? Uh, Probably late Alexander. About how uh, tutorials oh. should be done away with. That was like the takeaway. But like with, as we, as there is with most things that game press enthusiasts write, they have an idea and they fail to justify it in any way that makes sense. Right. But because it sounds good, people just sort of agree with it. Right, it's like a, a there complex... Was a, but, so there was this big discussion huh. about tutorials should be more integrated into the game to where instead of it being a separate sort of hit this button to do this, it's as you're playing it, the game is instructing you how to play so right. that the tutorial is essentially part of the story of the game and not necessarily a separate entity. Sure. And I think that speaks a lot to what you just said is where Western gamers want want something that's seamless and integrated and is built upon principles established from previous games, whereas the Japanese are more about coming up with rule sets. Oh no, I've got an article coming up about that are it. not necessarily that are not necessarily influenced by previous rule sets of any kind. Yeah, most definitely. And mining the depths of that like singular universe that that rule creates. Yeah, most definitely. Those rules create. So uh, the only other thing from Captivate I guess we could talk about or just mention because it's interesting. Or right, I like it. Uh, I just like hearing it, is that Super Street Fighter 4, which will be out mm, this coming Tuesday, uh, so the day after this podcast is hopefully done. And I guess in June they're releasing some free DLC, which is remarkable in and of itself because uh, I am under the impression that Microsoft makes it intensely difficult for companies to give DLC away. Right. Uh, and especially a DLC that adds... doesn't really add content to the game, it just adds a new... Uh, Option mode for the online. Right. Uh, their turn. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Their tournament the add-on, uh, which I like a lot. I like hearing that because it's obvious that the company is in tune with what people want out of the game. So. Uh, oh boy. That was ridiculous. Terrible game. Uh, so yeah, at the very least, uh, if you think forty dollars is too much, you're retarded. But if you think $40 is too much, at the very least, Capcom is giving you some free stuff, and they obviously are listening to, to the community. So and I always like hearing that. Are you going to buy that game? You know, I was real hot on that game up until about a month ago. And then I just really started thinking about, do I really want to get seriously into a fighter? Because once you do that, that's pretty much the only thing you can do. Oh, it's brutal. It's an investment. Because any, I, I feel like if I bought that game... And didn't get into it, I'm doing myself a disservice. Sure, yeah. Because that's what the game deserves. Right. And 
for me to play it at a casual level, I won't enjoy it because I won't be of the skill set I need to be right. to be a competent player of the game. So probably not. <laughs> Man, fucking <laughs> game. I guarantee that's why they put that speed boost right there. <laughs> sure. So great uh, level design. So there. probably not, and I, I, I'd like to just because it's you know it's cool to own a Street Fighter game, and I really liked four. And obviously, Super is only gonna be, is gonna be four, but better. But yeah, I don't think it'll get my forty bucks, unfortunately. Maybe one day. But I'm just not the kind of person. The only thing that I'm I just not the person who's gonna sit down and learn a fighter really well anymore. It's hard, man. It's it's a time investment. It's like you might as well just sign up for an MMORPG. Right. Yeah, honest, that's it's pretty much what way. I was thinking. Of. And I mean, that's honestly that's the same way to me that Lost Planet feels. Yeah. It's like an entirely dense new experience. I mean, that's why that's why American games, Western games, are so comfortable and they sell so well here, because you know, like you can go from Halo to Gears of War, relatively easy. Sure. Because they're so fucking similar, regardless sure. of how different they look and how many disparate design elements they have. They're they're relatively similar. But sure. Look at what's coming out of Japan. Street yeah. Fighter Four, Super Street Fighter Four. Okay. Lost Planet Two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Two games in and of themselves that you could spend probably about 40 to 50 hours with before you could compete with people who've already learned those controls. Sure. What are you talking about? That reminds <laughs> me... That To be honest, like, uh, how long does it take to get to the highest level in Modern Warfare 2 before you have to... Uh, what do you call? Prestige. Restart. Prestige, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I couldn't say because I haven't. I never got that far. But people were doing it in like a couple days of the game okay. come out. I mean, I guess I would say, and of course it also depends on how good you are at the game. Because, I mean, people who are naturally good at playing console first-person shooters, uh, the way the point system works in Modern Warfare, does rewards everyone, but rewards good players, skilled players more. Right. If I wanted to throw out a really rough, just sort of shot-in-the-dark number, I would say probably somewhere in the 30-hour range. 20 to 30 hours. I read an article that said... Quickly. That, like, said Battlefields? Mm-hmm takes like 300 to get to level 50. 300 hours. Seems pretty dense from the demo. Just the progression you made even hours? in the demo. Jesus epic Christ. <laughs> That's hey man, people people are still playing Fantasy Star. Absurd. There are people who have like thousands of hours in Fantasy Star. Basically choose your poison. Yeah. And I guess what upset... it. That upsets me and it doesn't upset me. The game itself doesn't upset me. It's the that reality of to get into things that on the outside I'm very interested in, yeah, I have to sink so much time into it to get out yeah, of really. what, it can, what it can give me. You know? All you can do in a situation like that, and I know you do it, and I know that I do it, is uh, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds stupid, but I've played... Let's Play and Endurance Runs and Quick... And not to plug him, but I really like his site. Classic Game Room HD. Yeah, that's too. Probably the most interesting YouTube site out there for video <laughs> games. Um, yeah, basically, I've experienced so many games vicariously through YouTube <laughs> just to try and keep up on the knowledge of the. Yeah, uh, man, isn't the, that insane? Of the pastime. It's crazy, man. We're just developing worlds as we go. Each is more minds. complex than the last. Think about how many. Uh, think about how many references there are out there. Things you could reference that a fair a fair percentage of people would get that only come from the 16-bit era and earlier. Oh yeah, 
And those, I mean, those times weren't even that dense right. with information. Right. It's like I was watching a review of Hayes last night. Of what? Hayes. Oh, Hayes. Okay. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Son a a universally panned game, Hayes, yeah. right? Have you ever played it? No. So I played the demo, and I remember playing the demo, and it, it was at a time when there were so many interesting games coming out that I played the demo and was like immediately put off by how poor it was compared to like Halo 3. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't bother. But I watched a review of it last night, interestingly enough, on Classic Game Room. And, uh, man, I'll be damned if I don't want to play this stupid fucking game now. Really? And I don't really know why, but it almost already, even though we're still in this generation, games have evolved so much so that it already feels like a retro game to me. And it already has that appeal of going back to see oh, sure. uh, where we are, where we came from. You sure. know? Really. And, sure. and it's not even, you know, in the same way you want to play like Red Faction 1 on the PS2. Just sure. to see what it was like. I already get that from Haze. And it's not even a generation. That's scary. Yeah, it's really bizarre. And, you know, it's, it's, it's justified, though, because the more I think about it, you know, these, these games, there's an awful lot of effort put into them on every level, you know? Yeah. Like level design, uh, in interface design, which I know you and I both really enjoy, like, dissecting. and Which takes more work than I think the average person thinks about. Exactly. And it's a thing where if the game doesn't get a good review and, and we know that we're not going to enjoy it, mm-hmm. we don't really bother checking that game out regardless of what it has to offer and all those different other – and all those other aspects of it. Sure. So now that Hayes is literally three dollars on Amazon, <laughs> I'm probably gonna end up buying it yeah, just man. to see what it has to offer. I, I think more people should do that too, actually. Deadly Premonition made me feel pretty old because I was looking at a lot of the things in that game and being like, "God, this concepts like this were popular during the PlayStation days." Yeah, and this feels so old. And I don't doubt that most of the joy that you got out of that game was that same feel that I was just talking about, where you know you're playing a game that feels old. Yeah, and so it's kind of fun to go back and like looking at old pictures be like I can't believe we used to dress like that it's kind of like I can't believe yeah. we used to consider this fun no what's a, but yeah what's especially sort of disconcerting is uh, how like you were just saying how games from this generation will now look old and dated compared to games coming out this year but I think what'll end up happening is this generation will be the longest one on the books. Oh, by far. If not the last. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I don't know if you're going to be able to define next generation by any kind of new hardware upgrade. Yeah. Like if every if the consoles continue to be iterative, mm-hmm. like I don't know how you're going to how there's going to be an, a new generation and what's going to market. Sure. And it's just weird to think about because Microsoft's not a stupid company. They do some stupid things, but they don't get you don't get to where you where Microsoft is by being a stupid company. They have a lot of money. They're not playing the lottery every week. Uh, and something like Natal, by default, requires some time investment to be like we need to allow this product to allow, to exist in the marketplace, right? For a, a period of time to see if it works or it doesn't. And it's like you're, it's basically like signing a cell phone contract. It's like, all right, now you're in this for another year, or you're in this for another two years. Right. You keep adding things on. Right. And That's when a good you point. when you when you see things like Gears of War three is not coming out until April of 2011, you're like, fuck, man. 
that's going to be six, five and a half years since the 360 came out. That's interesting. So why do you think... I was starting to think that the reason they're extending the amount of time between announcement and release mm-hmm. is to do just what you said with the... Uh, they're sort of like reinvesting consumers in their mm-hmm. product sure. for another year, regardless of what the market tells them. In other words, like if Microsoft puts out a really high like flagship title like Gears of War 3 and they say that it's not going to come out for two years. Right. That really for, I mean, it, it keeps the system alive for another two years regardless of what the market says. Yeah. Because that title will be coming out. Other people who make games are going to say, that title's still coming out. We yeah. still have got two years to keep making games for it. So, like, I think it's just a way of artificially extending the console's life cycle. Or life time. Yeah. Life. Life period. Yeah, which is kind of weird. It's weird that they've they've been able to mine so much. And I don't think what's weird to me is that not a lot of people seem to have noticed it, or they just or they deem it not important enough to talk about. And it could be a little bit of both. I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that the people who are playing games this generation, especially like Xbox 360, aren't have never played games before. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, PS2 obviously had a lot of people like that. But yeah. then they played a lot of PS2 games. I really think that this system appeals to King of the Hill style America. <laughs> yeah. And that's who's buying it. Yeah. When I see two references, or just one really big reference, you see the Family Guy reference? No. Of basically, Peter ruined his family's life, and they all hated him. And he couldn't win his kid's affection back. So at the end of the episode, in Family Guy style, they just deus ex machina it, and he buys them a Xbox 360. <laughs> and the last like 2-3 minutes of the of the show is actual Modern Warfare 2 footage. That's weird. Of Peter playing. But That's you weird. don't you see Peter playing on the couch before it cuts to real footage of the game for about 2 minutes. That's really weird. No, it was really. I mean, it was really surreal watching it. Like that's that mainstream. Yeah. That it can be on Family Guy and widely recognized as that popular of a cultural trope. Like, I, right. It's just bizarre to me. I, I that to me was spoke more to how mainstream games are than anything I've ever seen in my life yet. Actually. Sure. I could see. Yeah. For that t- Sunday night television. Sunday is night for it to take up two whole minutes of television. Ridiculous. Time. Yeah. And like the gags were in-game gags. Like he oh, was so like, he was like still like talking over. Yeah, the he was like, like oh, okay. he like threw a grenade in a car next to everyone standing around. So then the car <laughs> blew up and killed everyone with splash damage, and he was getting talked to, uh, like everyone does, really shittily by the people online. Oh, okay. So I mean, like, it was obviously done by people who understand what goes on when you play online. Sure. Too, so I don't know. It's just a really interesting thing. Yeah. So I think that's enough ranting for for this week. Oh my god. Boy. What the you fuck? You want to drive with me? <laughs> this is how I do it in real life. Fuck. This is why my car is destroyed. <laughs> so if you were expecting the uh, full conclusion to the Neo Geo Spectacular. Sorry. Here's uh, the deal. If you want to know a lot about Neo Geo, go to neo-geo.com. It's the most comprehensive site on the internet about the system. Yeah. And it's probably one of the most comprehensive communities uh that has to do with any system, anywhere. Sure. So, and uh, if you if you do choose to go to the, go to the site and um, Jesus, you make the mistake of, of signing up for the forums. 
just make sure you have your big girl pants on because uh, you'll get torn up for at least a month. Probably one of the hardest communities to get into. <laughs> Which is why I like it, though. Yeah. Do you ever think about it still? Like, where that community sits in terms of the internet, in terms of, like, if if online communities yeah, it's because were, like, tribes thousand years ago, or 2,000 years ago? Oh, I think about that all the time. And it's like, what would the Neo tribe be? Like, Adults. how would they be perceived? Adults. Adults. <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean... I don't mean to sound cocky, but I'm not really a part of this crowd, but I mean, it's like a forum where the moderators are like lawyers, right? <laughs> like I've seen the moderators tear apart video game magazines, articles in the forum, right. only to have those authors of the articles come to the forum and try and defend their article <laughs> only to get, get torn, torn apart. apart by a lawyer <laughs> who's just fucking randomly posting on the weekend <laughs> as a moderator <laughs> on this video game forum. It's a brutal place, man. It's it's definitely one of the the tightest places around. Just like yeah, it's like no one trades with the Neo community, and and it's got a really good marketplace. Don't, actually, don't go to their village. No, exactly yeah. true. But yeah, it's got. I mean, what did you say? Like Neo Gaff was like Moss Eisley. Oh yeah. So what do you think the Neo is? NeoGeo.com is. In like Star Wars terms. Well, in whatever like kind of analogy culture? that you could get. Oh man, it's a rough one. Oh, I don't really know. God, but I don't know. It's I, got a really good marketplace. I don't know. I'm plugging the site like I own it. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of like any sort of pop culture meme that would fit. Uh, the only thing I can think of, and it's really it's really stupid, but is uh, have you seen Dances with Wolves? No. You've never seen that movie? Like not no. ever. Oh never. man, not even once. <laughs> not even a little bit of it. Well, in the movie, he he basically Kevin Costner's character falls in with this tribe of Sioux Indians in uh, I forget what state he's in in the movie, but um, falls in with this tribe of Indians, falls in love with a, a a white woman who was adopted by them as a little girl, and um, during the entire run of the film, there's talk of this tribe called the Pawnee, okay. and the Pawnee are uh, basically a war tribe. Anytime you glimpse them. They're in war paint, and they all have, like, the mohawk, like, the traditional just sort of Indian savage look to them. Sure. And, of course, the Sioux tribe he's with, uh, I don't remember their name, but they're basically, like, the Avatar people. Oh, like, okay. They're real peace-faring or peace-going, and they're all about the ceremony and being in touch with the spirits and all that kind of stuff, and they're not violent at all, whereas the Pawnee are just this aggressive, horrific race. They kill the white settlers. They steal white women and rape them. They, like, scalp children. So this they, is... So Neo Geo, essentially the Pawnee tribe, where it's just, like, this ruthless band of people... That's what you're a part of. <laughs> ...who can't... Who cannot be, like, penetrated except by the most stalwart of people. I would agree with that. <laughs> I would agree with that. That's the only thing I can think of. That segment was for the people who actually post there. Yeah. Everyone else will find it. And I just... I don't know. I just wonder... Because every, every once in a while, you'll see someone within the Neo community will post uh, something on another form that mentions NeoGeo.com and almost always it's in the context of don't go there <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's some fucking irradiated zone <laughs> that he just like barely made it out of he's like I used to post there that's it <laughs> that's it I don't I don't anymore not since yeah not since one of the moderators basically locked every form except for one and started banning people randomly because they were bored. <laughs> or <laughs> because renamed someone everyone. threatened to sue the site. Or renamed everyone the exact same screen name. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Everyone on the forum, great. <laughs> oh man, seriously, don't go there. No, but if you want to get into, if you do want to get into the Neo Geo, and if you want to learn more about SNK, and you want to own a Neo, and you want to find out where to get the games, where to get the games for a good price by ninety-eight percent honest people. You know, there's scammers in every community, but uh, yeah, I can't. I couldn't recommend that more. I wish it, it'd be nice, and then maybe they are, but I, I'm just not aware of it. But it'd be nice if other hobbyist level activities had a site like that that yeah. just had information presented so nice, neatly, and was maintained by a passionate group of people. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about us and you downloaded this from iTunes, you can go to www.podcast19dx.com to uh, listen to some past podcasts or see some videos we put up and other things, what have you. Email us, podcast19dx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash podcast1980x. Yeah, email us if you have a problem with anything we say or our pronunciation. Please. Those are the emails that we really enjoy. Please. Please do that. Or comment on the site. Either or. I don't care. So, uh, anything you need to plug? Twitter.com slash podcast1980x. That's it. Check it out. So, uh... That's going to do it. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.